Father, help us to hear your word. Help us to hear what you do. Uh, Father, help us to understand your ways are not our ways. And yet, Father, um, just as we've looked at in, in Romans, uh, your purposes will stand uh, regardless of what we think or what we perceive. Uh, so my King, uh, my Savior, my Lord, I beg you this time to teach us, to teach me. Open my heart to this and my dear brothers and sisters this night. May they hear it also. And may your word go forth this day in such a powerful way, accomplishing what you sent it for, to your glory and praise. Amen. Chapter 34, the book of Genesis, beginning here at verse 1. We'll read this chapter. We'll go back through it. Uh, this is horrible, um, but uh, it's in here for a reason. Let's read it. Now, Dina, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and he lay with her by force. Okay, that's New American uh, Standard Translation, for he raped her. Okay? And then he throws this phrase in. And he was deeply attracted <laughs> to Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. That's brilliant. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that, his, heard that he had defiled Dana, his daughter, and his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, he went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field, and when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry because they had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourself. Thus you shall live with us and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you, ask, whatever you say to me. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift and I will give according to... As you say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit because he had defiled Dina, their sister. They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised for it would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you. If you will become like us and have every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughter to you and we will take your daughters for ourselves and we will live with you and become one people. But 
If you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed reasonable to Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. And the young men did not delay to do this thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was more respected in all of the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city saying, These men are friendly with us. Therefore, let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. Only on this condition will the men consent to live with us and to become one people that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock and their property and all of their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them and they will live with us. All who, were, who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamar and to his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. Now it came about on the third day when they were in pain, that the two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dana's brothers, each took his sword and came on upon the city unawares and killed every male. They killed Hamar and his son Shechem at the edge of the sword, and they took Dana from Shechem's house and went forth. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and looted the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. And they captured and looted all their wealth and all of their little ones and their wives, even all was in their houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and to Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land among the Canaanites and the Perizzites and my men being few in number they will attack me and I shall be destroyed I and my household but they said should he treat our sister as a harlot where do you begin with that one okay couple of things we need to pay attention about here. We, I've already shown you in the past that Jacob is having a little problem with his faith. Over and over, he has a problem with his faith. When he got ready to leave Laban, remember? He run off, he snuck off in the middle of the night, made it something like he couldn't see, and Laban tracked him down, and they worked it out. God was already there. Remember, he was scared to death. Esau, Esau's going to slaughter me. I keep sending him presents. It's doing all these things. I'll divide my household into two orders. So if they do, they do kill uh, us, uh, they'll only kill part of us. And the rest of the family will continue on and all the rest of it. So, And God continues over and over and over again to say, I am faithful, I am faithful, I am faithful, I am faithful. And he's proven it over and over and over and over again. I mean, even a pagan like Laban said, you know what? Your God is faithful. Every Everything you do, your God blesses. Okay? So now we have this incident. I, I guess if you lived in the city of Shechem, you wouldn't call it an incident. Okay? But there are several things in this text that I think we overlook. All right? Um, 
The first thing that we have to pay attention to is that God has not given his law yet. Okay? Not even so much as the Ten Commandments. Don't get me wrong. They're aware of worshiping God. They're also aware of the things of God. And I don't, that's not, I don't want to downplay that. All right? But let's be realistic about it. We're all who, anybody who is born of man and woman has a moral law that sits inside of them. Right? This young girl uh, went out and uh, she wanted to visit the daughters of the land. And Shechem, the son of Hamar, the Hivite, um, raped her. Okay, then he talks sweetly to her. I'm sure that works well. Okay, but there's another thing that you have to pay attention here. Where is she at? When the conversation between Hamar and Jacob's takes place, where is Jacob's daughter? She's in Shechem's home. Okay, so keep that in the back of your mind. Why is she there? The text don't tell us. All right? It, I, I don't know why she's there. I don't know why she's there. But it's obvious that something has happened, and she is in Shechem's home, and now what happens? Well, the word gets back to Dad, to Jacob. And Jacob is angry. Um, I... Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I would be angry. Uh, and when he tells his son what has happened to his sister, their sister, um, what is the response there? They're angry too. All right? And But I think one of the things that we miss is if you look at verse 9, he when we're discussing this on, you know, can you give your daughter to my son? He makes this statement, intermarry with us, give us your daughters to us, take our daughters for yourself. Thus, you shall live with us and the land shall be open before you live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Stop right there. Look at verse 19 of chapter 33. Okay, when Jacob came into the land, remember, he's made peace with Esau. Esau's gone on ahead of him, and he, sand, he, he settles up in a place in Shechem, all right? And he's, he pitches a tent there, and what does he do? He buys a piece of land from who? Hamor. He buys it from Hamor. All right? So now he's saying, why don't your people and my people do what? Intermarry. And Jacob's smart enough to know that that ain't going to work. God don't want no part of that. Okay? God has already said, I'm taking you out of Ur, uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, and I'm going to take you down. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a people, and you will be separate from the other people, and here you will be. You will be my covenant people, and it will be an everlasting covenant. You'll have this land. I'll be your God, and I'm going to do these things. Right? And you're going to see this keep coming up and coming up and coming up and coming up. All right. That the Jews compromise. And when they compromise, they intermarry. And when they intermarry, they start bringing in what? Idols. We've already seen it. We already know there's a little bag of idols floating around in Jacob's household right now. 
Okay? And, and that's just... Uh, you know what? When, when I, I, I listen to people tell me about marrying unbelievers and, and, and stuff like that, did we not understand that? If you marry an unbeliever, they're going to bring their idols with them. They may not have a bunch of little statues, but I guarantee you they are worshiping demons of some kind. And they're going to bring them with them. And that's why you see the turmoil in, in, in what I call mixed marriages. Uh, that's, uh, that's a mixed marriage. It's got nothing to do with races. It's got to do with spiritual dependence and spiritual longings. Okay, but I, back to this text. H- Hamor wants to make it right. Okay, the end of this end of this chapter, the sons say, "Would we have these people treat our daughter as a harlot?" Okay, and you see Jacob. What is Jacob after after this massacre? What does Jacob say? They're going to kill us. They're going to kill us. This is going to spread. The word's going to get out. And remember what the name Jacob means trickster and here he goes again now we already know he's already wrestled either with an angel of the lord a christophany a pre-incarnation whatever it is he who wrestles with man and god and that's where he and they changed his name to what israel okay anytime you see el on the end of a word that's god all right and he who wrestles all right so you see all of this and now they've gone into the land They've gone to a place that they're not supposed to be in. Okay? And yet God needs to do what with the people who are in this land? He needs to remove them. He needs to remove them. Now I want to share with you something here that, that we, we really need to pay attention to when we're looking at Scripture. Okay? <clears throat> Just because it's in the Word of God does not mean God wants us to do that. Okay? Um, there is a penalty for the act of rape. Um, Leviticus gives it to, the, to us and Deuteronomy gives it to us. Absolutely. I agree. All right? If there is a crime, God has a penalty for it. All right, but I see people at times saying, well, here's how God does these things, so why don't we do these things? All right, let me ask you a question about that. Abraham went into the land that God said he's going to give him, and he said there was a famine in the land, right? But he says, I'm going to take care of you. So what did Abraham do? Cruised on over to Egypt. Why? There's a famine in the land. I can't stay here. But I thought God was going to take care of you. Well, he is. Well, anyway, he cruises on over to Egypt and he finds an Egyptian handmaid for Sarah. Right? They come back. They still don't have no kids. They still don't have no kids. They still don't have no kids. Sarah comes up with a great plan. What's the plan? Sleep with Hagar, my Egyptian handmaid. And we'll have kids. Okay? Is that what God tells us to go do? 
then why would we take a text like this and say this is what we're supposed to go do? Was God honored in this? No. Again, this is man doing the work of God. This is... God still uses it. If you look at chapter 35, what happens out of this? God comes and speaks to Jacob and says, Jacob, dude, I said I'm going to take care of you. Okay, I agree. There should have been a penalty. Absolutely. All right. But have you noticed something about man's justice? Man's justice very seldom ever fits the crime. Right? I mean, we do it both ways. I mean, somebody, um, you know, there was a guy who had road rage um, over here on E-470. Killed two people and he got life in prison. Uh, There was a lady in Denver who got mad and run over seven guys on motorcycles. Killed all seven of them. She got 45 days. I'm, how how you get that worked out? I don't know how you get that those two fit. Okay, um, so where's the justice? I, I don't I don't see it. But if you look at what they did, okay, yeah, it was deceptive. Okay, listen, being circumcised don't make you a Jew. Okay, they're Canaanite. God hates Canaanites. And you're going to see that God says these people need to be run out. And you're going to see when they come out of 400 years of captivity in in Egypt, they come back into the land again. What is the response that they're supposed to do? Kill them. Kill them all. Why? Look at the trouble that's already caused you. And, I, and I, we, we said, well, that sounds... God of the Old Testament is a lot meaner than God of the New Testament. Really? You read Revelations. He seems really, really mean in Revelations. I mean, he's not just mad at the Egyptians or Babylonians or some Philistines. He's mad at the world. But I, I want us to see this because when I look at this and, and, and I read through it, this is awful. This is horrible. This woman is raped. And then I don't know what really happens. I don't know why she's in his home. But she is. Um, And the response is wrong. Okay. Let me drop into the response that we have from Jacob and his sons. They answer, verse 13, they answer with deceit. They already have a plan. Okay? We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is not circumcised. For it would be a disgrace to us. Now think about what just got said there. Do you see what God just said there? Which one is the bad thing? The rape or the lack of circumcision? That's terrible. That's no different than Lot 
telling the, the mass uh, that was the mob that was outside of his door who wanted the two angels, take my daughters, they're virgins. That's brilliant. I mean, what are you thinking? Uh, see what I'm trying to get at? All right. So when, when we start talking about the condition of man, we look around. Doesn't it seem awful today? I mean, we hear about kids being kidnapped. You know what? Um, I'm trying to figure out the age of Jacob's daughter right here, and I don't have a very old daughter here. Okay? Uh, she isn't um, maybe 14. Um, when we hear about the, the predators who are on the, the, what do they call it, the Internet and all the rest of it, um, there's nothing new. There's nothing new. I, I, and I, I really want us to understand this because there is a response here. Uh, as a father, I understand the, the passion that would be involved in this. Um, I don't have any sisters, uh, and that's probably a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, I want every male to be circumcised. Why don't they bring up the charge of rape? Why don't they bring up the fact that this was forced? That's never brought up. It's never brought up. Look what they do. Okay. um, They go out and they get him circumcised the whole city all the men get circumcised these men are friendly in verse 25 and it came about on the third day when they were in pain that may be the greatest understatement ever put in scripture okay i find it fascinating it says that two of jacob's sons simeon and levi um we all understand that the priesthood comes out of levi should um, they took the sword, came to the city unawares, and killed every male. That's an interesting phrase, don't you think? Okay, right there, um, I'm kind of confused. Aren't you? Did every male rape her? No. Don't get, I don't want to downplay. I don't want people walking out here. Terry just don't really much care about it. Right? No. You know what? Um, according to the word of the Lord, Shechem should have been executed. Absolutely. And this has ramifications you're going to see down the line. But Shechem should have been executed. Okay. And they killed Shechem's father. And um, I'm not sure about that. I would have at that point said, okay, Um, so much for vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But then you read on and it says there, remember, it was Simeon and Levi, okay, killed all the males, including Shechem and his father. And then it says Jacob's sons, plural, the rest of them, what do they do? They came upon the slain and they what? Looted the city. Because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks, their herds, their donkeys, 
and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. And they captured and looted all of their wealth and all of their little ones and their wives, even all that was in the houses. Interesting. Interesting. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious. The peace and security of his family uh, was now in question. But it would seem that the father who is the leader of the family, it would seem that his concern and his question was negated by the question in verse 31. Question in 31, the the sons say, should he treat our sister as a harlot? And my response as a father would have been, no, but you don't loot the city. You don't kill every male. What was you thinking? And you know what? I I want you to understand, these are human beings. I understand that passion. I understand that that emotion of of hatred, of, of, of anger, of, oh my gosh. But I struggle when their concern was, are you circumcised? Nowhere in their dialogue with Hamor are they even make the statement that you have raped our sister, my daughter. It's not made. Again, has God promised Jacob that he would protect him and defend him He would have him land and he would prosper and he would. And what was Jacob's response? Okay, now, you know what? Um, There is much blame to lay at Jacob's feet as there is Levi and Simeon's feet. Okay, and the other sons. I mean, all the way through the through the list. All right. Uh, I still am troubled on why she was still at his house. But I want you to know that when I write it down here as a massacre at Shechem, it was a massacre. And what was done outweighs the penalty of the crime. Far in excess of the penalty of the crime. To slaughter a city and then loot it. Uh, You've seen it. We've seen it, some of us, on the news. Remember when um, Rodney King and they had the riots in East L.A.? Did all those people know Rodney King? I didn't think so. Uh, we, we see it all over the place uh, when people say something or do something and the whole world gets its little underwear in a bunch and becomes silly. Um, and the truth of the matter is, if you look at it, it happens a lot in what we call wars. Somebody gets somebody is offended, pride steps in, emotion steps in, and it's uh, Katie barred the door. There it goes. Nothing has really changed in humanity, has it? Where was Jacob's faith? He wrestled with God. Give me the blessing. 
Give me the blessing. You have it. So why this? I don't know. I don't know. I have to do the same thing that you do here. If this happens to me, do I trust God? Or do I fix it? That's a serious one right there, isn't it? Do you trust God or do you fix it? Because know this, if you fix it, your justice will be in excess of the crime. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. What I really like about God is is He is just, meaning that He will pay the penalty due for the crime. All right? But I want to show you something, and we'll just step into it because of time, but we're just going to step into it in chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and live there. He kind of had told him this earlier, but, you know, do you want the place with the view, or do you want... No. All right. All right. Um, And live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you, when you fled from your brother Esau, remember the the ladder that was and the the messengers were coming in and out of heaven. Okay, that God is the one. He says you, you you already talked to him. So Jacob said to his household and to all those who were under him, put away the foreign gods which are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. <laughs> it's brilliant. Okay, <laughs> honey, all your little statues. Shoot. Because Rachel has stole all of her daddy's little gods. And I think that's funny. And in a sick way. Look, I have my little god. The one that I keep thinking of little troll dolls that you play with their hairs and pull them out. And, Look, my little god. Or the, have you seen the Buddha statues? The, the, you can get Buddha in all kinds of shapes now. You can get a, a large Buddha or a skinny Buddha or you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger Buddha. You know, here's what he says. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Don't you think it's funny? Put away your foreign gods. Put them in their little foreign god boxes or whatever you do. Purify yourself. Let us rise, go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me. What does this say? Wherever I have gone. Really, Jacob? Has he been with you? Where are you gone? And have you acted like it? It's, it's, listen, brothers and sisters, it is because I know it here, don't mean it's here. And Jacob is living proof that you can know it here. Now listen, I want you to think about this for a second. I've never fallen asleep and had a dream that there was a ladder and I could see God standing at it and the messengers running to and fro. I haven't seen that. I have never wrestled with God all night long and then, you know, get my hip tore up and get, you know, bless me. I've never had that happen. Okay, now if you have, great, I'm happy for you. I've never had that. But we are called to live by faith 
And I guarantee you, every single one of you in this room have watched the hand of God and His faithfulness work in your life, haven't you? And yet, every one of us in this room are guilty of what? Fixing it. I know this is what God wants. I'm sure of it. Watch. And then we end up in a mess. Anybody help God out and end up in a mess? I mean, it might have been a little mess. But here, God, I can help you here. And you end up in a mess. And God says, I am faithful. Do you know what? He says, I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you life abundantly. So why are you working so hard to make your life abundant? Do you see how practical this is? Listen, we have heartache in this church. We have people who have gone through some stuff. Okay, uh, loss of husbands, loss of children. Um, just, we have, I mean, for as small as we are, we've had a lot of things go on in the individual lives in this church. It's amazing. And you know what? Every single one of you has to honestly say, has God been faithful to carry you through that time of turmoil? Absolutely. Every single time. He has carried us through the turmoil. He's never let us down. We quote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, and he can beat up your shepherd. But buddy, I ain't going through no valley of the shadows. Okay? Did you ever thought about that verse? It's a shadow. Can a shadow hurt you? No, it can't hurt you. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd, fool. And yet, when you go through the shadows, what do you do? Wednesday night, we're studying spiritual warfare, and I asked the people a few weeks ago, who are you more afraid of, the demons, Satan, or God? An average Christian? The average Christian is not afraid of God, which is a mistake. Okay? Because when you see him face to face, he's going to freak you out. He is. You're just going to... We, 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 we are all over the place. Uh-oh. This is a bad thing. And he'll say, Welcome, true and faithful servant. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, I, maybe you're not. I am. I'm saying, Oh, it's me. <laughs> I'm in the pearly gates and I'm thinking it's going to shut on my foot. Um, here's what he says. Uh, this is so humanistic. That I can't even begin it. That that verse there, verse 2, put away your foreign gods and cleanse yourself. You know what that says? Fix this yourself. Okay? Fix this yourself. Put away your little foreign gods. Hide them. Oh, God's looking under my bed. He found my little Buddha statue. Whatever it is. They gave, so they gave to Jacob all their little foreign gods, what they had had. Now, you got that? They had accumulated them. And the rings, which are in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, which was near Shechem. So there's an oak tree in Shechem. It's got all kinds of little godly idols. Godless idols. As they journeyed, 
They were a great terror upon the cities which they were around them, and they were not pursued by the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Beth, Bethel, and in the land of Canaan, and he and all of his people who were with him. They built an altar there, and they called the place El Bethel, because their God had revealed himself to him when he had fled from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the oak, in which was now Alon Bakuth. And God appeared before Jacob and said <clears throat> again, and he when he came from yeah Padaram, which is Mesopotamia, and he blessed him. He says, God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he has called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And you will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in that place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up the pillar in the place where he had spoken to him, a pillar of stone. And he poured out a drink offering on it and he poured out oil on it. And so Jacob called the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Okay, now I want you to think about it. And I'm just going to close with this thought. Even in the midst of the chaos that Jacob and his sons have created. And listen, I don't want to downplay the, the rape of this young lady. I don't, I, that is not what I want to say. The penalty that was paid for the rape of this young lady was wrong. It was as wrong as the rape of the, the daughter. Okay, I don't want to ever take this too. But again, it is man doing what man does. Man, all of his life, is nothing but violent. That's all he is. Everything he does is in violence. Okay? I want you guys to think about that. Okay? Because you've got to ask yourself a question. Is God faithful? He says, in this life, you will have tribulation. In this life, the world hated me. They will hate you. That's, that's going to happen. But lo, I am with you most of the time. I am with you every Sunday. No. Even to the end of the age. You have a great high priest who was tempted in all ways and yet was without sin. When he had finished the offerings, he ascended to the right hand of God and he does what? He makes intercessions on our behalf. Do you see that? So when I look at Jacob... When I look at his sons and I look at the horrors here, I see a man, I see a family who is doing the same thing that you and I are doing. We're growing in our faith. And you know what? We can always look at it and say, you know what? God has always been faithful. He has always blessed me with way beyond whatever I perceived I needed. He's always done it. He's always done it. So why do we always doubt him? Why do we always doubt him? Because we're human? Oh, that's it. That's human. No. You're putting your faith in you. I uh, met with a guy this 
a week ago, we were discussing. He was going through some tough stuff, and we were discussing. You know that you know you know it's it's amazing to be a man of faith. And I said, uh, John, everybody I know is a man or a woman of faith. I've never met a human being who is not a person of faith. Really, I said. The difference is, what do you put your faith in? Every one of you in this room have it up here. Okay? You've got all kinds of theology. How much of it is right here? Do I really trust Him? Because your actions, Jacob's actions, show us what he trusted. Okay? Don't get me wrong. As a father, it's easy for me as a father to look at this and say, oh, I can't believe that knucklehead did that. But you know what? I have the same potential. I would hope that my response would be more godly. God point him out to me, I'll shoot him. No. <laughs> but I won't shoot his wife and his chickens and his donkeys and his goats and all the rest of it. So, all right? Let's pray. Father, um, Help us with our faith. Father, we are in a time and an age that is no different than the time and age of Jacob. Yet, Father, it feels like there, there's more um, distraction and entanglements than ever before. Father, I see so many people, oh Lord, who are entangled with the things of this world, who are struggling with the things of this world. And Father, their actions don't look like they trust you. They call your name. Um, they play churchianity. And yet, Father, they live their lives to their focus. Father, help us. Help us not to fall into that. Help us to not to become overwhelmed by the things of this world, by the situations of this world, by the people of this world. But, Father, help us to rest full weight in the Sabbat rest that is given to your people. In Jesus Christ. Father, help us to lean full weight. Full weight upon you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for these texts. And Father, may we uh, draw deeply from the amazement that is laid before us. To your glory and praise. Amen.